0: things as we're singing that I think um, I think this season will be teaching us is as we have masks on which isn't the most pleasant experience I know as you're trying to sing um, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that you can worship in other ways besides your singing why we posture ourselves. That's why we use the word posture. We can posture ourselves. We can raise our hands. We can get on our knees. We can kind of walk around a little bit. We can dance. That's really an okay thing to do before the Lord. Uh, so during this season, may, maybe that's something that God might be teaching us. In the midst of not really being able to belt it out with all we have, maybe there's other ways that we can express our worship physically uh, to, the, to the Lord. Uh, what we're going to do is jump right into the sermon time. Uh, we're actually going to end with a bit of uh, prayer uh, together. So, what I'm going to ask you to do is to uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 19 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 19, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing here. Let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for right now the opportunity that we have to see one another's faces. Thank you for the presence that we have with one another. And thank you that that presence is meaningful because we share together something in you. Thank you that these times are fellowship, it's true fellowship, true biblical fellowship where we're sharing together in who you are and what you've accomplished for us. Thank you that we're not just getting together as a social club because we hold something in common together. According to this world, we hold you in common, and it makes this time substantial. So God, we thank you for being together. Uh, We thank you for your word. Um, That speaks to us and anchors our hearts in the midst of of the pressures of the world that we face right now. God, thank thank you for the fact that you're approachable. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made the way. By your life, death, resurrection, and now by your present ministry to us as high priest. You open the way so that we might come boldly into the throne room, so we can come into the holy places and sit before you. And even as we'll talk about, bring our holy ambitions to the table and and in prayer and in pursuit of you, kind of wrestle through our holy ambitions to see you ultimately refine them, direct them, and birth them. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon our time, even right now, as we draw near to you. We are looking to your objective word, but we are, in a real way, subjectively drawing near to you, spiritually drawing near to you. We want to feel the closeness of your presence. We want to feel the warmth of your heart, even this morning, as we consider your word together. So we pray to that end, ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. James and I uh, were actually deeply moved uh, last week as James concluded his sermon. He asked asked you uh, to write down on these three by five cards um, your desire for our church. He asked you to consider, yes, God's promises. He asked you to consider kind of the burdens that God has placed upon your heart. Write it down. Bring it forward. And as you did, um, and we got to read those things, we were uh, pleasantly, wonderfully impacted. Because the the desires that you all have for this church community— not that I would expect this from you, but it, it wasn't just a brainstorming session. You know, when you get together and it's like, hey, what do you think? You know, what's your desires? And it's like left field ideas, you know, and it's just like, all right, those are super substantial. Um, but the responses that you guys gave were significant. Um, they were those Caleb-like desires, that I want that mountain kind of a thing because God's promised it and God said it, and therefore I want to give myself to it. These are what I would refer to as holy ambitions, not just kind of flighty desires and, and, you know, ideas of what we could do as a church or be about as a church, but they were substantial biblical desires, holy ambitions, stuff like this, transformation from the old self. I want holiness. That's that's a good desire for us as God's people. I want to be holy as God is holy. I want extra grace to endure trials. Do we not need his persevering grace? Or intimate knowledge of God, a greater intimate knowledge of God and his love, forgiveness, and grace to us. That's a good one. Seeing a glimpse of God's glory. Or a unity. We want a unity that stirs faith in unbelievers. Spiritual growth and salvation in our individual families. We want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, something of revival and joy in the Spirit. We want to see God's kingdom to be felt in a way that can't be ignored. We want to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We want to see kingdom advancement personally within our families and even within our nation. We want to speak out and go out to spread the gospel. We want to see deliverance from spiritual attack. We want to see healing from health issues as well as addiction and depression. We want to embrace discomfort to see the kingdom advanced you pastorally you sit back and you read through these and it's like yes 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 again these are good desires these are holy ambitions just to say well done that's the stuff that we as a church should be desiring the question that i want to then entertain this morning what do we do with those desires so you've You've communicated these holy ambitions, these solid desires, substantial desires. What do we do with them? How are we to cultivate our holy ambitions? Um, I I debated, like, going to other texts outside of Hebrews to kind of try to answer that question. uh, But I wanted to stay close to where we've been over the last few weeks, so I jumped into Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, I believe, gives us some direction. It implies what we are to do with our holy ambition. So verse 22, first is this. What are we to do with our holy ambitions? How do we cultivate them? Well, together we must draw near to God. Holy ambitions, these desires, flow from and are cultivated in the presence of God. God's presence, or as the author writes here in chapter 10, holy, the holy places is, as I would say, it's like the labor room of our holy ambitions. It's where God imparts and forms and gives birth to these ambitions, these holy ambitions. It's where he will correct and refine these ambitions. It's where he invites us to contend, to wrestle, to groan through the process in order to see something of these holy ambitions formed and eventually become born. God's presence, if I could say it this way, is the labor room of our holy ambitions. And we, as the author says, we are to draw near. Now, I know for us, for many of us, the idea of God's presence is a very abstract idea, right? He's saying, enter into the holy places. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I look at you, and we look just very normal. You got the, the gray chairs and the gray walls, and we're just gathering together, together as we typically do. Like, what does it mean to actually draw near to God? What does it actually mean to enter into these holy places? And by the way, like, the author of Hebrews is very abstract in other s- sections of Scripture. He's going to say, come boldly into the throne room of grace. And it's to say, like, okay, like, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? Or like last week, we have come to Mount Zion. <laughs> it's like, okay, how, how does that happen? How do we do that? How is it that heaven is connected to the earth? How is that supposed to be experienced? If we're not exactly understanding of how we are to draw near to God, You know, then what, what is the practicals of all of this? How do we encounter the presence of God? How do we enter into the holy places? What does it mean to draw near to the presence Of God. Well, I I think we need to begin theologically and then bring some practicality to it. So, the author of Hebrews just spent the last 10 chapters exalting Jesus by addressing the many ways that Jesus fully satisfied the Old Testament law and its regulations, and now how he gives us the benefits of his achievements, one of which is open access into God's presence. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, through who he is, what he has done, has made the way for us to enter into the holy places. So, verse 19, the author states, just as we read, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, how, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, over the church, let us... Draw near. So the author has the Old Testament temple or tabernacle in mind. The holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant sat, it was where God's tangible presence was known, it's where his Shekinah glory rested in the Holy of Holies. And what the author is saying is that now because of Jesus, the all-sufficient blood sacrifice has been made, and therefore the curtain has been torn, and now Jesus, the high priest, invites us in as the household of God to draw near to the glory of God's presence. It's an amazing reality, but it's still very abstract, right? And why is this such an abstract idea? Like, theologically, we can put the pieces together, but it's still an abstract idea, and it's because it's entirely unseen. It is spiritual in nature. Just as the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews 4, draw near to the throne room of God and find grace and mercy to help in time of need, as he would say, hey, we're coming near to Mount Zion, these Abstract ideas are spiritual in nature. And so for those of us who function in the physical, where everything is measured and seen and touched and and, and whatnot, this is a different realm, if you will. It is uniquely spiritual in nature. It is, we could also say, a subjective experience of drawing near to encounter something of God's presence. And on a side note, what I'd want to propose to us is that as we gather together as God's people, the goal of the gathering of God's people is an encounter with God. It is stepping into this abstract spiritual idea and saying we are drawing near to his presence. We are drawing near for an encounter with our God. God has designed it so through what Jesus has accomplished, through who Jesus is and how he's now ministering to us, for us. It's that we now have the right to step in to the throne room of God, to the holy places of his presence and encounter something of him. The goal of the gathering of God's people is this encounter with God. The text is clearly corporate in context. It's speaking directly to the church. It's a call for the church to draw near to God. And based upon then all that Jesus has done, we gather not just together to say, hey, it's nice. It's been a while. Right? We gather with one another, to draw near to God. It's the goal of the gathering, is to draw near in order to encounter God. Folks, we have to be careful, and I know you've heard me say this at times, but we have to be careful of kind of like, boiling down the the experience of the Christian walk to some cold unconscious doctrine of the indwelling of God's spirit. I know some of you may, like, I don't even know what you just said. Others of you do know what I just said. We can't just boil everything, relegate everything down to this. Well, as long as we know it in our minds, then that, that, that settles it. No, there's an actual drawing near that God is saying. There's something to be encountered as the church gathers together and collectively together pursues, goes after God, draws near to God in the holy places. The goal of the gathering of God's people is to encounter God. Another way we could say this, this is part of the conversation that we've been having with the, the music team, is that worship is a two-way street. It's, it's not as though we're just kind of bringing gifts of praise and worship to the altar and then standing back and saying, hopefully God receives it and we, we go back home. There's an engagement There's a covenantal relational reality that God has purchased. He's made the payment so that we might actually encounter him as we're gathering together. We're not just gathering together with one another. We're not just coming with gifts to be like, hey God, here's our praise. We'll put it at your doorstep and then run. It's the idea that he wants the door open. He bids us to come in with all our gifts of praise and worship. And he wants to meet us in those moments. Now still, it's an abstract idea, isn't it? It's like, okay, how's that supposed to be experienced? All right, well, let's continue to consider it. God is calling us as a church to draw near to him. And and in context, don't lose the point of holy ambitions. We are to keep those holy ambitions in tow, if you will, as together we are entering into God's presence. But what does this encounter with God feel like? What is the experience? Well, I would have to... Just begin by saying that encountering God in the spiritual is not one-dimensional, it's multidimensional. It's not mono, it's stereo with all kinds of EQ levels from the low to the high. There's all kinds of, if you will, reverberations of experience when it comes to coming into the presence of God. Scripture would show us that sometimes we encounter God as we draw near to him together together. We encounter him by him simply highlighting truths to us. He just highlights the truth. It's not crazy, slain in the spirit kind of stuff. It's just him kindly and sometimes even quietly. Just like a truth hits you, whether it's in song or whether it's in the preaching moment or whether it's in fellowship with one another. The, The truth just kind of hits you. That's an encounter with God. That's what God wants to do. He wants to take his truth and highlight it, cause it to get stuck in our hearts and and in our minds. So sometimes the encounter with God will be that he just highlights truths. Of course, sometimes the encounter is filled with conviction or comfort. Sometimes the encounter becomes something of transcendent peace, that peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4 verse 7, or the inexpressible joy of 1 Peter 1 uh, 8. Sometimes God in these moments of encounter empowers his people, that's Acts chapter 4. Or sometimes it's in the moment of encounter that God manifests himself and directs his people, Acts chapter 13. Sometimes God's presence is encountered through the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts, words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, singing spontaneously in the spirit are all manifestations of his presence. It's the outworking of having drawn near to him. Or, sometimes God's presence is manifested physically. So I haven't even had to be able to interact with the folks who are at First Friday Prayer, Third Friday Prayer, I guess, the last time we had it. But I had an experience. Um, As we finished up the time, if you were with us, even live stream, we closed things down after about 20 minutes of silence. And those times, man, those times of silence was not silent. Silent. Now be still and know that I am God. Sometimes God just says, hey, the best offering that you can bring me is for you to just shut up and sit in my presence. Just let me settle your heart and your mind. So I had just received prayer. Um, and as I received prayer, and this is weird, okay? This, is, this doesn't fit in nice, clean theological boxes in terms of this encounter with God. But as I received prayer, I felt this weightiness on my feet. It's kind of waves of weightiness, just going, woof, felt like I was standing like in a little creek where it's just covering your little feet and, and, and the water's just going over it. It's like, all right, that's, that's weird. So I'm moving my feet around. What's going on here? Right. And as we sat in the silence, I just, there's this overwhelming sense of just being spirit to spirit with God. Right. Nose to nose, if you will. Right. And there, in, in the silence, it didn't feel silent. It didn't feel like, oh, i got to bring noise to it. It was just like, God, it's so good to be, like, next to you. And then I sensed the Lord saying, just come sit down. Like, sit down in my presence. You know? it doesn't make any sense to me, so I sat down. And sure enough, the weightiness that I was feeling started going up my legs just felt like I was sitting in a creek and the water was just lapping over my legs. We turned live stream off about that time. (laughs) Right? And then the Lord said, lay down in my presence. I could have said no. I could have gotten up and resisted it all. I thought, Lord, you work in mysterious ways. I don't have to understand what you're doing in these moments. And sure enough, man, it, it just... It was like the water comes lapping up over my back. And I again, I don't know what to do with the reality of that experience. But it just, I kept on asking the Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Just rest. Just rest in my presence. I tried getting up a little bit <laughs> after the fact. And there was prayer going on uh, during that time. I think we were, we were out of there at 11, 11.30. I mean, it just Lord utilizing those moments. And as people are praying, I, I try to pray for Allie. And I, I can't even get words together. And I, I'm feeling, sensing something of the, the physical manifestation of, of having encountered God just feeling it in my chest and feeling it in my, my arms and can't even getting words together to, to pray at that point. It was a sweet moment of encounter. I don't get it all. I don't think it's the most important thing for us to be like, oh, that's the thing. Let's go after that. No, it's just, again... When we draw near to God, we encounter him in many different ways. Sometimes it's going to be the simple ways of him just kind of highlighting truth to us. Sometimes it's going to be just kind of his warm, peaceful presence. Sometimes it's going to be conviction. Truth is going to like, get us in a certain way. Sometimes truth is going to get us in a way that comforts us. He's going to comfort us with his presence. And then there's going to be some things that we just don't have category and vocabulary for. And that's okay. That's okay. These are ways in which, as we draw near to God, we may encounter him. So, we draw near to God with any number, then, of experiences that we may receive from God, but I believe the point that we need to keep in mind is that we're spiritually aware in the moment. When we gather together as God's people, we should be thinking, we are drawing near to God, and God is going to be interacting with us. Do we have the categories of awareness before us to say, hey, we could encounter God this way, this way, or this way, or that way, and, and, and be sensitive for how he's moving and working among us? Rather than just chalking it up, well, I had this thought, and you know, that was a cool verse that just kind of stuck with me. Do you not see it as being of him? We need to see it as being of him. Otherwise, what we're doing is just reducing our experience down to deism. God stands far away from us and just kind of lets the laws of nature grind away. Well, I had this thought. Well, I had this feeling. Well, I had this sense of comfort. Well, that just was me, and he's somehow now disconnected from all of that. That does not glorify the one who made the way for us to enter into the holy places, nor does it honor the one who is encountering us in the moment. So yes, it's an abstract reality, but we need to come, draw near to him with these various ways of experience, at least in mind, have eyes to see what God is doing and where he's working in our midst as we draw near. We need spiritual awareness, but also what we need is verse 22 says, we need to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. A true heart is, in other words, a sincere heart. It, it, it's not a mechanical or divided heart. Uh, to be sprinkled clean then and washed with pure water actually is a reference to Old Testament rituals of consecration. It was the act of being holy, devoted or wholly surrendered to God. So the idea is As you draw near to God, not only should you have spiritual eyes, but you should have a yielded heart. There's no aspect of your life that God can't say over it, mine. There's no part of your life that you're keeping off the table or out of His touch. We must draw near with spiritual eyes of awareness, but also yielded hearts of surrender. To him now it's with that that we are to bring our holy ambitions into the labor room of god's presence we get him and he gets sway over us as we pour our desires at his feet until he produces or births something through it all jim Simbala if you know his name pastor of the brooklyn tabernacle choir he uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, uh, he referred to their corporate prayer meetings as a, as a labor room. He said you'd walk in and you'd hear the cries and the groans of God's people as they were drawing near to God with spiritual awareness, with yielded hearts to God and, and expectant to, to encounter something, have God begin shaping and forming and perhaps even giving direction to how these holy ambitions are to be birthed, how they are to be lived Folks, this is where we begin with our holy ambitions as a church. We must together draw near to God with spiritual eyes and yielded hearts. Second, if that makes you a little scared, right, to be like, all right, we're encountering God, and there could be some really strange things in that encounter. Well, the second point helps you out. Together, we must hold fast to Christ, verse 23. Verse 23 says, as we draw near, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The idea is that truth keeps us objectively rooted. Uh, To be straight, isn't the Christian life full of seasons and moments where God seemingly is silent or even absent, right? You've been there? I've been there, and of course, most of the time it's because, um, at least from my experience, because we're not listening to him, right? Or our hearts are not sincere, like verse 22 calls, or surrendered, like verse 22 calls. Our hearts are distracted. They're filled with all kinds of worldly wants and entertainment and And so most of the time, yeah, encounter is confused because we've been grieving God's Spirit. There are moments and seasons where after drawing near again and again, there only seems to be silence and distance from God. We need to be careful to realize that those times, God is most often hiding in plain sight. He's there. But he wants to cultivate or refine something in you through the ongoing pursuit. Or through that ongoing season of waiting. Or perhaps he's calling you in some way to approach him in new ways. I debated whether or not to use this illustration, but if a drug addict will find multiple ways to go after what he ultimately wants right, at great cost to himself at times. I do think that sometimes God is silent or seemingly at a distance because he's calling us to find another way to come at him, to not just get so stuck in a rut of just kind of, well, I've spent my few moments in our, my day pursuing him, you know, I got the little verse that showed up on my phone and so that, that's my piece of bread, spiritual bread for the day, I'm good to go. I think sometimes God kind of stands back in silence because he's saying, I want more. I'm I'm eager for this pursuit. I want to train your heart to come after me, to seek me, to pursue me. So God, yes, may at times be silent and absent. And yet, even in those times of silence and absence, as we draw near to God and he's, where is he? The author is saying, don't forget to hold fast to his word, right? Give your attention to his word. It's not about the the subjective experiences when you're not experiencing it. It's the get to the word. Always have a hold on God's word. And then if you are encountering God, if you are encountering God in all the ways that we previously listed, oh, this is strange. This is a strange encounter. I'm not sure what to do with this or, or that. Hold fast to the word of God. Take the word of God and apply it with biblical discernment to the things that you're experiencing. You're never to go after encounter with God without the word in tow. We must be taking God's objective word and applying it to our subjective experiences with him. That brings safety and frankly, If we don't have the word in tow as we're drawing near to God, we we risk incredible danger if not demonic influence. We must hold fast to God's word. For he, verse 23, who promised is faithful. Isn't that good? What does God's objective word point us to? It points us ultimately to Jesus, all that he is, and all that he's accomplished. Who is the sum of God's promises, answered promises? All of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Who Jesus is, what he's done, we can look to him and be like, yep, God has fulfilled so much already in him, and therefore he will continue to fulfill it through him. That gives rest to my soul. And that's what the author is saying. As you're bringing uh, your holy ambitions together as a church, you're drawing near to God. And yes, you're encountering him in subjective ways, or maybe at times he's just silent. Well, keep the word central. Keep the word as something to guide your way and to be something of a foundation for your feet. And when the experience comes Take the word and bring biblical discernment to it. Don't let experience happen unhinged from this objective word. Man, there is so much here. As I, um, as I sat with the Lord and pr- I was just praying through this particular verse, holding fast. Um, the Lord gave me a picture. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, but he gave me a picture of this evergreen tree out in the middle of this field, right? And I'm just like, all right, Lord, what, what in the world is that? And there's snow on the ground, and there is a blizzard that's sweeping through. And so you watch this evergreen tree just folding back and forth under the weight of this wind. Of course, I'm like, all right, Lord, what in the world? What does that mean? Um, and it seems as though he said, again, again we, don't, we don't take those impressions and be like, this is rock solid truth, right? We take those things and say, it seems as though God was saying this. He said, it's the winds of the world from one direction and the winds of my spirit from the other. And it was this, as if he said, apart from holding fast to my word, people will become fractured and splintered, if not altogether uprooted and undone by the coming pressures and persecutions of the world. But he said, it's equally true that apart from holding fast to my word, my people will become fractured and splintered, if not altogether uprooted and done by the experiences and manifestations of my spirit. And the call was to hold fast to this word. In the winds and pressures of the world that we face right now, we need this objective word. And yet, even as God's people would gather together and pursue their God, draw near to him, the encounters that we have with him must be weighed and discerned according to God's word. Otherwise, it fractures the church. God's word must be kept central. It must be that which is a foundation for our feet. We must hold fast to it. It also then means that as we bring our holy ambitions to God, as we draw near with those holy ambitions to wrestle and contend with God for them and allow him to shape and form them, it's it's also then that we want those holy ambitions informed by truth. Not just informed by what what we may want or, or, or how we see things kind of coming together through those ambitions, but we need them always informed by truth. I'm trying to skip through a bunch of stuff right here. So finally, then. Finally, together we must stir one another to loving action. See, when you've encountered God, when you've drawn near to him, and have been captivated by his presence, there's just no place for competition with others. There's just no place for jealousy or unhelpful criticism, or holding things against one another. There's no room for unhealthy self-awareness. There's no room for fear of man. It's simply, I want to help you. And I would hope you would want to help me in going after God with our holy ambitions to see him birth something to his glory. It's not about holding those holy ambitions and seeing our progress in those things as something of our own attainment, but something that pours forth from and ultimately is for his glory, right? It's about him. So when we've gone after him and we've encountered him, it's the opportunity, I I don't care. I don't care about my ultimate significance. I've found the one who is significant, becomes an anchor for our souls. And it then gives way for us to stir one another up. I'm not interested in competing with you. I'm interested in you pointing you further in to how your holy ambitions perhaps can be birthed. That We can see progress and holiness in your life that you might be an evangelist for Christ's sake in your workplace or in your family or however it is. I want to get behind you. I want to stir you up to that loving action. I want to support you in it. It's out of the encounter with God that unity, that mutual encouragement and loving action can find its purest expression. Jesus will actually refer to this in John 17, verse 22. He says, as he's praying to the Father, he says, The glory you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, It's a word of unity, togetherness, that they may be one as we are one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The glory that Jesus is referring to in context, John chapter 17, is a reference to God's presence. The glory is the presence. Jesus has given us his presence. Glory. He has given us access into the very presence of God. And it's that glory that then empowers our unity or oneness together and thereby brings about our witness to the world. So, a major part of our witness before the world is our loving unity, this stirring up of one another to loving action so that when the world fractures and splinters apart, there will be a glaring distinction between the world and the church. Now, this isn't to say that even as we've encountered God and even as he's done things within our own hearts, he's brought peace and comfort and conviction, perhaps strange manifestations. It doesn't mean that we can't quickly run right back to our stupid self-pity and self-awareness and critical spirits right <laughs> we, we can always go right back but it's why we need this ongoing pursuit of god it's why verse 25 says don't neglect to meet together why we need time together We need time together, not just to kind of socialize. We need time together to pursue our God, to draw near to our God, to encounter something of our God together as we take his truth and bring it to bear upon the moments. We need time together. We need time to wrestle with God together, to pray through our holy ambitions together, to intercede for one another to be together then informed by his word and to have our holy ambitions informed by his word, all so that we might see these holy ambitions birthed for the glory of God, and as a witness then to a divided world. We need time together of drawing near to God while applying biblical truth And then supporting and encouraging one another according to these holy ambitions. We must have devoted time together. So, getting back to the original question. How do we cultivate these holy ambitions? We need to draw near to God. While holding fast to his word. And while seeking to stir one another up to loving action. And more practically, what that must entail is that we need time together to pursue our God with yielded hearts and spiritual eyes. Time together to pursue God with yielded hearts and spiritual eyes. The way I wanted to conclude then this morning is to have a time of drawing near, of going after God with these holy ambitions, not to just be like, hey, all right, sermon's done. Let's sing a song and get out of here. No, let's do a little bit. We don't have all day and that's okay, right? But let's take some of this time to say, Lord, we're coming before you and we're coming before you with these holy ambitions. We kind of we want to contend with you to see these holy ambitions realized. We want to be a holy people. We want to be filled by your spirit. We want to have unity with one another. We want to pursue biblical truth with one another. We want to embrace discomfort and trial for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom. We want boldness in proclaiming you. We want to see deliverance and healing for those who are struggling. We want to see all of this. But it begins by drawing near to God. So, I'm going to ask Allie, you want to kick us off? And then James Harper, and then Larry, sound good? Will follow
1: protocol. Keep things consistent. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, some of the things Dan shared with me and asked me to pray for or pray about today were the, the needing for the indwelling spirit and a new essence of his encounter, and then also um, just uh, that we would be joyful and transgressions, and uh, how we can get through our sorrows and things like that in a way that's honoring to God. Um, so as I was praying about it in the back, God took me to a couple scriptures. And no, I'm not up here to preach a sermon. It's just imperative that uh, I hear from God before I just preach out of a place of experience, because that's not always beneficial to the hearers. So some of the things that he was reminding me, um, One, our encounters in the place of brokenness, in the place of experiencing pain and things that you didn't expect happening to you. Some of the things that he reminded me, one, my experience is part of my testimony, but it's not the experience that you need to hear. You need to hear the truth that was learned and confirmed throughout the encounter so in the place of encounter in my brokenness he reminded me okay when we are in a place in a season of suffering and brokenness and it feels like god is doing everything in his power like job to take everything away from you he reminded me one i am with you you are with me psalms 23 4 even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me well what is the rod well to spare the rod you spoil the child so rod is the hand of correction and the staff the staff is guidance so not only is he saying I am with you but he is saying that I will correct you to make sure that you are on the right path and not only will I correct you but I will guide you when you get there You are a present help, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So he will remind us of his goodness through the Holy Spirit. He is the present help. He will remind you in the place where you can't remember his goodness because it doesn't seem to be evident with you. He will remind you through his goodness in the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort as well. So he is our comfort. And not only that, but within this text, he is not only saying, am I your comfort? But he is saying that as we are all <laughs> In a place of suffering, in one way or another, we will rejoice together as we receive comfort amongst the sufferings of other individuals who have received the victory. So through the place of encountering God, not only in the place of triumph, but also in the place of brokenness, your encounter and your experience with him will therefore offer comfort to the body of Christ as well as to yourself. And lastly, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will we not also with him graciously give us all things? So that means that if we want a place of encounter, we need to ask for it because he will graciously give us all things. But if you, you have not, because you ask not. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm sorry, my heart is just so... It's so stirred um, right now. God in the place of brokenness, which you said that we will come to time and time again, in the time of persecution, which you said in your word we will come to time and time again. It will be a place of living. We may live in an entire life of brokenness after brokenness, and it seems like thievery after thievery, but you have made things very clear. You said, one, you are with me. So God, we rebuke the lie that Satan would wish to impose upon us, that you are distant, that you are far off, and that you do not hear us when we Mm -hmm. ask for your help you are a present help you said in your word you are a present help we need to receive that you are the helper and we need to concede and offer our pride and our control up to you we need to be able to surrender god we need the conviction of the holy spirit to see that our control causes us to be in positions where we are in need of your help and your help alone And it is by your grace that you have put us in those positions, God. Let us be mindful. Let us have the eyes to see. When you remove things, it is for a greater purpose than, God, you are just so here right now. You will remind us of your goodness. Mm -hmm. You have not been far off. You have not been distant. You have been an ever-present help, and you have given us the Holy Spirit by those who have received you You have given us the words of life, and you have given us the ability to be able to. Bring it back to mind in times of suffering and in times of trial and even in times of goodness and even in times of uncomfortability, you have spoken your truth through your Holy Spirit into us. So God, I rebuke the lie that we cannot hear it. And I say, open the ears. If we want an encounter, we need to hear you when you're speaking. Like Dan said, it is in the place of quietness that we hear, God, because who can have a conversation with somebody who talks constantly, never stopping? God, let us be mindful that we need to give you time to speak, not just assume that you have nothing to say to us.
0: Yes.
1: Please, Jesus, convict us. If we want encounter, we need the conviction to know that where we are is not where you want us to be. Jesus, we want your encounter, not the encounter that makes us feel good, not some spiritual high, not some prophetic word from somebody. That is not encounter. Encounter comes from the Father directly to you. So God, we pray that you would rebuke the lies and tear down the walls that keep us focused. The encounter is within the box of what we control that you encounter us in our place of trials and tribulations and you tell us to encounter it with joy because you are our helper, you are our comforter, you bring us peace and you have never left us and never will leave us. You will correct us and you will guide us because that is who you are. Help us remember in the times where life doesn't seem straight that you are the God who has ordained our steps. That you are the light of our path. Help us bring to mind, I pray that the Holy Spirit in all the people here in this church and even the people watching, God, I pray that you would bring to mind the character of God again and again to the spirit of the indwelling man that we would know your character, to know what is of you and what is not of you, that we may pray rightly and worship rightly before you, God, so that encounter can take place because it is of a pure heart and of a receiving mind, ready to receive what you offer us, Lord. I pray for realness. That way when life gets lifey, we know that you're not a God in some mystical cloud who can only be experienced by a prophetic word that we hear by a televangelist, but that you are the God who will meet us in our living room or even in our bathroom or meet us when we're sleeping or meet us when we're in the toughest situations and meet us when we're in the highest of heights and we think we can't get any higher. You are the God who encounters us at all moments, not just when we ask because you are a God who beckons us. And you are a God who waits, and you are a God who knocks. So, God, I pray, I pray for the conviction that comes with encounter. Please, God, we need to see you rightly. We need to see you rightly, God. We need to see you and see you rightly. Remove the veil that keeps us in a certain area Mm -hmm. that keeps us content with circumstances that aren't ours to bear. Mm -hmm. Let us remember that you are the one who fights our battles. And even as you're fighting and it feels like it's whirlwinding around us, you are the God of comfort. Mm -hmm. You are the God of peace. You are the God who corrects and the God who guides. And that victory and conquering comes through you and you alone. Let us relinquish our pride. Let us relinquish our control. We can't control an encounter because that would be a false encounter. Who wants a God that they can control? We need you, God, to come and do things that we don't even know what to ask for. If we knew how to pray, you wouldn't say that the Spirit utters and prays for us with moaning and grumblings. If we didn't need help in praying and encountering you, you wouldn't have given us a spirit. So let us be mindful that we need your Holy Spirit to encounter you. We don't need our flesh. We need you, God. So I pray that over this church, God, that we would get real. And we would allow you to encounter us. Not just say you haven't done it, but we would actually put ourselves in position to see, to witness, to hear the encounter that is coming for us all. We praise you, Lord. Do more in this church, Lord. Do more in this church, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
2: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And I agree with everything that we've prayed so far. Lord, please stir up in this church. Continue stirring a spirit that we'd all be praying in agreement together, not just one or two or three people praying, but we would all be praying together. Lord, we ask for unity in our church, unity that would startle and confuse Our neighbors and our co workers and our families, because they don't expect that, that unity would show that you are at work in this church. Thank you. Thank you, God, for all of the mighty work you've already done here. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the miracle healings that have already happened in this church. Lord, thank you for those who were in addiction that have been set free in this church. Thank you, Lord, for everything that we see in the book of Acts that I see in this church. Thank you, Lord, for those who have opened up their homes to others in this church. Thank you for the fatherless children that have found a home in this church. Thank you, Lord, for those who have shared their possessions freely who have given their money and not expected something back in this church. Please give us tenfold, ten times more of that Keep stirring up that spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the unity you've given us that although I know there are people in this church, you know, in the last election we voted for two or three or four different people for president and or we voted for nobody for president and we know In some of these cases, we've got strong feelings, Mm. some of us, about politics. We've got strong feelings about our neighborhood. We've got strong feelings about our city. We've got strong feelings about sports, Lord. And yet you've brought a unity that the world does not expect, Lord. And I know some of us, Mm. including me, have, you know, basically had actual physical family cut us out of their lives, Because of some of these beliefs. And because we follow you. And Lord, you promised. If anyone loses a sister. For following you. They would find a hundredfold sisters. In the church. In this life, you said, one hundredfold. If anyone lost a house for following you. They would have a hundred homes. In the church. If they lost Mm -hmm. a father or a mother or a brother. They'd have a hundredfold. Lord, let that be what. The world sees when they look at this church yes. not yeah. not that this is a bunch of people who agree on everything lord i i don't need more friends who read the same books i do or follow the same people on social media that i follow or went to the same school i went to lord i need i need brothers and sisters who follow jesus yeah. and are filled with the spirit that's what i need Lord, give us that unity, stir it up, and Lord, though I'm, it's a little scary to pray something like this, God, make us feel more our need. If we don't already feel how much we need each other, let us feel, go easy on us, Lord, maybe (laughs) just a little hint of how much we need each other. I can't follow you by myself. I can't lead my family, lead my home if I'm not in relationship with my brothers and sisters, if I'm not getting stirred up, if I'm not being ministered to, if I'm not hearing your word, if I'm not being encouraged day by day, Lord, show us how much we need each other. Don't let us miss how much we need each other. Don't let us miss how much we are needed. Mm -hmm. Lord, you don't believe in um, waste. Right, Lord, you you said in the parable of the talents, you're the type of master who expects us not to bury what we have in the sand. You expect every single thing you've blessed us with for us to use it for your kingdom, Mm -hmm. to use it for you, that someday we'd be able to give it back to you and say, look what I did with what you gave me. And Lord, you ask us to be like that because you are like that. Mm -hmm. Lord, there's no such thing as a waste of a Christian. There's no such thing as a wasted person. And you're building up a church out of living stones. That's each one of us. If I'm in this church, then every other person in this church needs me. And I need every other person in this church. If, If I didn't need them, you would have put them in some other church that needed them. If they don't need me, you would have put me in some different church that needed me lord show us how much we are needed oh lord would you help us god Mm. i'm not gonna think of all the ways i can serve or all the ways i can encourage all the ways i can be a better brother we do need your spirit even as Allie was saying lord be the with the holy spirit be the one who opens our eyes Mm. gives us creativity Mm -hmm. creative thinking Lord, even in the current politics in the current pandemic and everything else, Lord, um, you have a plan for us. You've measured out steps for us to take of obedience. You've planned good works ahead of time Mm -hmm. for us to walk in. Don't Don't let us miss a step. Lord, would you use that rod and staff to guide and lead us in the way we should go? Keep your eye on us yeah and lord fill us with your spirit that that we wouldn't come into the gathering empty Mm -hmm. we want to be desperate for you but we also want to be receiving day by day that feeling from you Mm -hmm. that when we come and meet together we're not just looking to each other in the wrong way. We're not just desperate for some affirmation, desperate for some attention, desperate for some acceptance, but we're actually coming in empowered by your spirit, Lord, that I would step into this church building or I'd step into a meeting to get together with my brothers. Yeah, Lord, not empty, but fill, fill Filled with your spirit, filled with... Uh, encouragement and with energy not like feeling like I've given it all in my job I gave it all to my family and I have nothing left Um, that I'm just burdened going through trials and I have nothing left but that you would carry us through those trials carry us through work carry us through family and Mm. give us an overabundance still to share because that's what you want you don't We need each other. We need to need each other. Mm -hmm. Lord, so use us, please. Thank you again, Lord, for the ways you are using us, the ways you are showing the world something surprising that it cannot explain. Lord, do that. Do that more this year than you did last year and the year before that and the year before that. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name.
3: So I've been given this um kind of football analogy, so kind of bear with me this morning. Um, Lord, as uh we come into your presence Sunday, Lord, like we're we're all huddled up here at Mercy Gate. Lord, you've you've given us your 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 playbook, you've given us your your word. Um Lord, you get us all together, you bring us together in this huddle and uh Lord, you give us to play Matthew twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, you you hand us off. Um, you even send your holy angels in, the black force. Lord, we kind of we kind of stand there, and the enemy blitzes, and he gives us lies about. Oh, maybe we're not good enough to witness the others. Maybe, maybe they will get mad at us. Maybe if these people love us, they won't love us anymore if we tell them about Jesus. He blitzes us with lies and and makes us self conscious. He brings doubts in our minds and, and indifference into our hearts. And before you know it, Lord, we drop the ball. So, Lord, we pray that. Lord, that you, through your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you would embolden us. You would give us the courage and the strength. Lord, our, our ears are dull to your call so much. Our hearts are cold and indifferent to our brothers and sisters in need so often. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us with this embolden us by the power of your holy spirit give us strength give us resolve lord help us to look inside of others lord knowing that um so often there's so many people in need in this community lord as we go up and down the streets near this church if you travel down walker street you go up banner street lord there's there's so many in desperate need of your word and your saving grace. Help us to share that, Lord. Lord, you've given us a gift. And it's a gift as, it's bigger than the, the billion-dollar lottery. It's a gift of inheritance, inheritance and in internal life. It's, it's priceless. It's more than anything that we could ever achieve, anything more than we ever earn in this world. And you give given it to us, no charge. No charge because Jesus paid the price, yes. mm-hmm. Lord. So, Lord, we pray that um, that we'd be able to take this gift. And you told us we have a gift. We've been given it. You've given it to us. Now you want us to give it away. Mm-hmm. Give it away. And we have it, and in, in it's ours freely to give um, to others the gift of Jesus to help us to act like little, little Christ and in the, in the, to do that, Lord. Just um, take away the fear, the anxiety. Give us confidence, Lord. Give us confidence. We know that we can't do it without you, so give us the confidence. Give us the strength. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, Lord. We pray that you would just embolden us, strengthen us help us share the grace that you've given us help us tell people about the gospel help us to do that lord lord so many are hurting so many are out there lord that um that need your love so we'd ask your your patience and your guidance for us lord when we fail we ask you to be with us Lord, so many are hurting with substance abuse. Lord, we just pray that you would, you would help us to minister to them, Lord, and we would pray for them, Lord. There are so many that we've lost, so many that we've seen. We all have friends and family members and loved ones. We have people who are struggling with it, Lord. So we pray this, Lord, is another form of, 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 of sending them sending us out into the world lord we'd also minister to those who need us whether it's those who are um homeless or those who have um abused or, or those who are suffering from substance abuse of some sort lord we pray that we would be your your ministers and lord we pray that you would be with them to, to help them into um we pray for the an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, just be with us. Help us and guide us and and just do that, Lord. Lord, without you we are nothing. So we ask you to be with us, Lord. Be with your church, be with Mercy Gate, Lord. Help us guide us, Lord. Give us strength. Give us resolve. And, and Lord, let us let us work out of love love that you've given us through your son Jesus that we might take that love give it to the world give it freely yes. give it openly and Lord Lord we we only need to open the door we need to open the door Lord and you'll do the rest so help us to be that door openers and those who can do that Lord look after us guide us strengthen us and and Bless us in your, wish, in your mission, Lord, because you've promised to be with us even to the end of the age. Help us to take that promise, Lord. Take that promise with us and give it away. That's in Jesus' name, amen.
4: No, my heart is stirred up to do good works in love in this church um, as Dan talked about part of part of holding fast to Christ um, is this moment right here where we're devoting ourselves to the fellowship with one another with our Savior and in this in hearing the prayers of one another and hearing the words shared and the songs being sung the voices crying out to God our hearts are stirred up to, to continue pressing into this. So I want to just encourage you guys with that. Uh, my heart is stirred, and I, I hope that I'm not the only one in that. So let's, let's continue this, uh, this devotion to one another and to our Lord. Uh, he is honored through these moments, and so I encourage you guys in that. And I do want to declare in closing, unless, Dan, you have any last final words, uh, the benediction from Second Corinthians chapter 13. My prayer for you all is that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and that the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all right now. And as you leave, grace and peace to you all. You're dismissed. Amen.